0: Welcome to Freed Up. This is the podcast space where life feels lighter. You know, sometimes life can have us feeling worn out and weighed down, locked up and left out, or just simply looking for more. And if that sounds like you, then you are in the right place. You can live freed up and not fed up. Well, today, y'all, I'm excited to continue the conversation with Gina. Gina is an assistant director of recovery and community services for her organization. She's responsible for peer recovery coaching services. She's got over 20 years of experience in human services, specifically in the area of women's recovery. And so we're going to hear from her today as we finish our conversation. That includes how can we help families as they are a part of the recovery process? This is an important conclusion to an important topic we're covering on Freedom. We'll be right back. This conversation is so good, and I feel like it's been long overdue on podcast. We did have another guest on who talked about their personal experience, and you know her well. Um, She's in our family, too. (laughs) Um, cause I just want freed up to know I have a bomb family, like for okay. real, serious, overcomers, serious. <laughs> overcomers. <laughs> mm. we are, we are all overcomers. Um, but we all have different places that God is, is having us conquer. Um, and so, um, so I really appreciate us having this, this talk. What would you say to somebody who is, is dealing with substance use themselves and, and, and really feeling trapped? And mm-hmm. or they have a family member and they are part of that system that feels like they're being tossed and turned um, in the process. How would you encourage them?
1: Well, I wouldn't leave out the prayer. I would say, you know, let's let's pray. Let's, let's pray and ask out what it is that we're supposed to do in this mm-hmm. space. And then to provide the resources to to somewhere intersect that person with like that lady sitting on that couch with me somewhere to make that intersection. Um, And I, and I'm going to tell you, the guy does that. He does that. Mm -hmm. And so in all of our cities, well, I guess we haven't talked about this, the whole system of care. So when we talk about actually having to become uh, physically abstinent, that is where that person wants to be. Then I would direct people to the national SAMHSA website Mm -hmm. that has listings for almost every city, um, state across our country that will give some information on access to treatment possibilities. Uh, secondly, for families, families can also do that. same thing, but there are also family groups that, you know there are craft groups. Uh, there are, oh, groups that, that are partners to whatever the pathway to recovery that, that someone has chosen. And mm-hmm. so to look there, what I would not, suggest that anyone do is to continue to hammer. That's one thing mm-hmm. you know, that we thought long time ago may work for people mm-hmm. is that, you know what, you got to get better. You got to go do something. You got to do this. I'm going to be honest with you. I left a treatment center one time and just lied to him and told him I'll be back for the IOP because I was really upset after that family group where they holds my family against me and had my family tell me everything that I did to them. And there was no love in that. Mm. Um, So sure. No problem. Whatever you say. But when I leave here tonight, that's what my insights say. When I leave here tonight, you ain't got to worry about me coming back. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, not to hammer um, and not to accuse, but to be sure and love people into this space. Because so much of the act of addiction is rooted in not feeling loved, Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: not feeling wanted, not feeling heard, not feeling seen, not feeling touched or cared for. So much is rooted in that. And so many people are looking for something to make them feel better. And we know that ultimately um, it is only love that's going to heal. So using that as a strong and, and always sharing hope. Always giving a hope shot,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, mm-hmm. it's going to get better. It can get better,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: even if I don't see where it is, but encouraging someone that it can, it can get better. It can get better, but arming ourselves with information and across this country, know that we have what are now called recovery community organizations. And those are places that we can tap into and gain more information for our communities as um. Providers, as service providers, we can become resource brokers in that area for those that we work with by gathering that information. So Faces, Voices of Recovery, SAMHSA, um, you, know, you can email me at Pace anytime because that's just what we do every day is to supply those resources.
0: Yeah, thank you. And we'll make sure in the episode description that we put the website for SAMHSA in there. We've had them in there for suicide prevention, but we'll give you the exact mm-hmm. Place on the site where you can get those recovery resources, and then we'll give you Gina's email address. She offered it, y'all, so we can put it <laughs> on there. So y'all make sure y'all reach out because um, okay. that's what you need for resources. I, I wanted to just kind of double back on what you talked about because I feel like if you know we pulled a big theme and a big idea from this episode, what I want to pull and lift up is this: love is. It's love. It's the thing that God extended to us in while we were yet sinners. Come on now. loved. And there's so much we do not really fully understand the power of that. And what that requires, gee, is is humility enough to say, Mm -hmm. I may have all these questions. I may not understand. I may even be defensive. I may be upset that you're in this state. Sometimes it's even guilt that causes that blaming and that judgment guilt on someone else's part for Uh what did I do? And families Uh often feel a lot of that. Yes. And so thank God for restoration because families can be restored. And that's why this work is the system's work. Um, But at the root of substance use, we talked about this on the front end, it is a mental health issue and that goes to the core of shame. And that's something Uh potentially traumatic because when a person does not feel loved. that can create trauma in their lives. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the theme and the key here is love. It is. That we love one another, that we love even when we don't understand, that we love even when we don't like it, that we love the person who is going through challenges because they are not the challenge. They are struggling with something in this space. Um, so I really appreciate that.
1: I think the other thing that I would share is that recovery is a journey and it's a lifelong journey.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A person, myself, I needed to learn how to live again. I needed to learn how to allow people to love me. I needed to learn how to trust again. I needed to learn how to be a part of again. I needed to learn what to do every day. What's the job that I'm going to do? You know, what's my purpose in life? One of the other things SAMHSA says is that recovery is centered around uh, four purposes. and. Four segments, and that would be uh, home, purpose, um, loving. I believe that's right, and I may have those messed up. I'll, you know, I'll send those back to you later. But there are those mm-hmm. four things, and and purpose is one of the hardest ones for an individual to find after having floundered. And so, please understand that we are living a recovery journey. We're not living an in instant recovery. And now you can have 29 expectations of me and I can do that. I yeah. cannot, it's a journey. It's a period of time. And I learned something new every single day and every, every year. And please allow your loved one to experience the journey and not be living, having to live up to an expectation of get yourself fixed right now. Mm. but to experience the journey, no different than our relationship with God. It's a journey Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: more and more is revealed to us all the time. That's recovery. We're all recovering. We're recovering from something. Just take your recovery wherever you were and wherever you're going to and liken that to that loved one that you have that's been struggling with a substance
0: and it all works the same way. It's recovery Mm -hmm. coming back to. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. and know that it's okay to be where you are on this journey, no matter what mm-hmm. someone else is trying to um, you know create for you by way of their expectation that it's a journey for you and you you go at it at the pace that you need to go. i want you and I just want
1: to say that's true for providers. for providers. we as providers have to allow it to be a journey. It just kind of hit me. so I needed to say that yeah as service providers. We must allow this to be a journey and not a destination.
0: Expand a little bit on the provider piece. And I know we, there are in our field, of course, you know, there's grant funding uh-huh. that is time sensitive. Uh-huh. Um, and then there are programs that have, because sometimes people implement programs that haven't been through the process or not close to the groundwork, right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, And that can
0: be impede the process. And sometimes people just are not trained and have not done their own work by way of understanding Mm -hmm. the population. In addition to providers, how do we help people really? How do we help them support the journey? Well, I
1: think that um, so there there's a, um, a way of being with people that probably is misunderstood a lot. And that is that harm reduction way of of working with individuals.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So harm reduction, the simple definition is going to be that I am supporting an individual in reducing the harm to themselves, again, to their family and to their community. And so that may not get everything done on the treatment plan that the computer spit out,
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: you know, once we go to the DSM and we've made the diagnosis, and then we start plugging all these things in, you know, we may do GIPRAs and we may, you know, do these two and three hour assessments. And really, honest to God, truth really, who wants to sit still with these type of things on their mind for this two and three hour assessment? You know, can we do a little bit today and then some of the next time we meet and some of the next time we meet? Why must we have all this right now?
2: Yeah,
1: That is enough to frustrate a person and push them out the door. That yeah. certainly is not harm reduction.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So when we think about how we begin to work with a person what are the expectations that we are laying out as providers can they really be met right now Mm -hmm. i hear you grants what they're asking for the outcomes we have written yeah sometimes it's important for us to take a look at what are the outcomes that we are there are we considering the small pieces as being successes as much as we are the large pieces? So do I, I talked to a young lady yesterday and she said, you know, I haven't used in 30 days. And I said, that is awesome. It's so amazing. You do understand that not using for one day is an amazing thing that's happened in your life.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: can I bring it down to one day? Does it always have to be 30, 60, 90 a year? And I bring it down to small pieces um, harm reduction. You know, we, it's hard for us in our systems to accept that, okay, no more crack, no more heroin, um, but I am going to have a glass of wine with dinner. You know, white wine still goes with fish.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. And a few other things too. And other
1: things too, (laughs) you know, but no more crack, no more heroin, not doing any peels, but I had a glass of wine with dinner. Can we celebrate that? Yeah. Because that is so big and so major, as opposed to say, well, you know, you 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 don't need to drink either. Yeah. That's only that's only again one pathway. So when I say providers, if we practice more harm reduction,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we allow people to make their own choices to get to that place that we wanted them to get
0: to anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. You know, because when you really dig deeper into the intervention um, for the issue, it's taking away what was used to cope. Right. Hello. And so if if that's the one thing that I have that's helping me survive, if I need to to reduce it before I can eliminate it. yes, I'm keeping myself alive. Um, yes. and, and sometimes that is actually a matter of life and death. But it's something that as providers, we're growing into those spaces. You know, same thing on the mental health side and therapy, we do the same thing as if you have somebody who's maybe who's cutting, because it's yeah. releasing that pain. Um, we want to talk about like, what are some other alternatives for coping that may be a little healthier? But Absolutely. the goal is to bring those intervention in a little bit at a time. Just as you said, there's so much wisdom in the service provision for that. I, I'm curious about something because I know when families and when people traditionally think about um, addiction recovery and substance use, they, their minds tune in to the, the TV show on A&E. Intervention. I'm not trying to slam your intervention. I'm not. I just want to raise some, bring to light some things that people may have as questions who are going to be listening to this um, podcast. Talk a little bit about what you see there and, you know, what parts of that work and what parts do you say in the actual process of supporting someone in this in this um, phase of, of, of life? What's the difference in between those two? What's similar and what might be yeah. different?
1: Well, let me say that I do recognize this. This is a tough space for family members. This is a mm-hmm. very tough space to be in because, as family members, we just want the best for our loved one, at whatever cost it is. Okay, if it means hit you over the head and drag you and take you to treatment center, okay, I'm good with that if you're going to get better. But it's not always lasting, and so for that reason, then I advise family members and support them in they may be the first ones to receive treatment
2: mm-hmm. it may
1: not be the loved one they mm-hmm. may be the first ones to receive treatment uh, so go get help for yourself you know it's kind of like the airplane ride you put your oxygen mask on first
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know a lot of people turn their heads to the side on that one. Cause it's like, well, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be helping somebody else. You don't help anybody. If you fell out, mm-hmm. you don't help anybody if you died. And so I encourage family members to go get treatment for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then I'm still on that prayer thing along with it then that may come, that may circle around to learning some better ways of doing interventions. So learning how to come to the place of accepting that whole harm reduction idea, that moderation idea, that uh, tapering down idea, uh, and learning how to have the conversation. Sometimes communication is is a problem for us. Mm. We don't know how to have the conversations, you know, and I know for a lot of things, I'm still learning how to have the conversations for our children, because many children are caught in the grips of active addiction. Then there are specialty programs that are for children and for adolescents. So as a family member, tapping into that and actually receiving information from them. And if we're going to do intervention, we don't have to have cameras. If that's what, the, those experts are saying that you know we will work. Okay, we can do that, but we don't have to have the camera. Because can remember, I just
0: pause you here and say, "Now you're being messy on my show, and I'm right there with you um, <laughs> on this. We doing counseling and camera stuff. Okay, I'm sorry, I made you break your thought, but I had to come on okay. and say." That. <laughs> <laughs> We, we can be messy on here every once in a while when we telling the every truth. Every now and then. So. Okay, thank you. Thank you for letting me go with that. <laughs> but if we, <laughs> you
1: know, why are we putting people, I, 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 I venture to just go ahead and say, because, you know, one of the things about this work that I get to do is that I can use my own self as examples. Some of the times in my life that hurt and broke me so much were those things that were put out in front of other people. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to hide. But those things that we, you know, can we talk to this person? Can we love on this person as opposed to we got to have 12 people here to do this?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Why? What are the roles of all of these people? Yes. To do this. So, yeah, no cameras, no large groups. Let's find someone that can support us and that knows how to speak the language. Uh, I heard a young lady in a conference the other day, and I love what she said. There's a whole different culture. There's a whole different culture around using drugs. There's a whole different culture around being addicted. There's a whole different language around it. At points and times, the language that we're speaking as family members, my loved one doesn't understand anymore. And the language my loved one is speaking and coming out of that culture, we don't understand anymore. So let's find an expert that can also be an interpreter for us. Mm -hmm. so that we can truly hear each other Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we may hear the words but is that like you know charlie brown's teacher is that what we hear the walk 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 or are we actually hearing to understand so i'm those would be a few things i would say and that that whole intervention well you know i i think they made good money Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: i think they did and interventions are real not saying they aren't and i as well i'm not going to slam i'm not going to slam the show either but this is my loved one. This is my real person. This Mm -hmm. ain't TV.
0: And long after the cameras are gone, Mm -hmm. the recovery process continues on when when nobody else is looking. And I need to be able to be there to support them. I can't kill that in the beginning. Yeah. I want to walk this journey with you. Yeah. And so, you know, just to that point, there's such a preparation process for families and understanding how to support? Um, no, this is interesting to me because we're bringing in the 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 mental health, the emotional, yes. pain, the mental side, plus the spiritual. Who wants to come to someone for support when they feel condemnation or they Absolutely. feel judged? That doesn't draw people. And I love the fact that you know, biblically in in with yes, Jeremiah thirty one, I believe it is that God draws us with loving mm-hmm. kindness, and yeah. um. That's that's the way that we we draw people into this this work of right. intervention. We talked about this earlier about the the love part, um, but it's difficult when families have not been prepared. And as you said, there's a captive audience um, that is walking this very personal, painful, um, painful. So many layers of a journey to get free. Um, and so I appreciate you weighing in on that. I know you want to share something else on it. I see it. <laughs> I, I just
1: I, I think that that it's not realized that this person that's using does not want to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I did not want to be like that every day. It became an absolute necessity.
2: Mm-hmm. not
1: only, you know, just the comforter, not only to make me feel good, but it became a necessity because now my, and, and when we don't know these kind of things as families, when we don't know that now my body, my physical body has a tolerance level that it must meet every day of how much of this substance is in it for it to keep going. When we don't know that um, whatever that substance is, which, whatever one it is, and there's so many mixed up things and substances anymore that we don't even know what it is when you by the time you get it you don't even know what it is for real anyway so to actually allow my body to detox from that can be very painful it can be very scary it can be to the point of it could kill someone and so i don't want to be like this every day
2: mm-hmm. but then
1: what am i when i'm not like this mm. and so you know to enter that situation with my loved one and, and start with those you statements. Well, you shouldn't have done this and you shouldn't. And you know, you know, Mm -hmm. as we intersect this thing with the whole mental health piece and the family treatment and therapy pieces, we've got to get rid of those you statements.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But this using person doesn't want to be like this.
0: Right. Right. You know, again, back to that. Um, This was not, here's what I want to be when I grow up, (laughs) you know, things happen in life unexpectedly. And, but for the grace of God, like literally, um, we all have been close to a doorstep of being in that space. So as we get ready to wrap up, there's there's one question that I think is really important for families as well, because I wanted to really kind of uncover, you know, some of the, the clinical pieces of this and the intervention pieces of it. But I know that family support and being able to walk through this journey with someone, a loved one, is so critical. This word boundaries, I need you to unpack that because while we're providing support and we're learning to not use the you statements, but the I statements, right? So there's this other part of boundaries that is is a difficult thing to learn and understand. So I need you to unpack that for the listeners and why that's so important in this journey.
1: Well, first of all, boundaries is just important in life. And it takes some of us a very, very long time to learn that. Amen. That, you know, you just can't walk all in people's space. COVID did us a favor in teaching something about boundaries. Mm. They said, if you would like to stay well, then practice six foot distancing Mm. and cover your face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we decided Many of us decided we wanted to stay well. So we bought face. I have an entire wardrobe of face coverings. I got a mask to go with almost every outfit because I'm trying to stay well. And when I am in the line in the store, I am looking and I measure six feet. You know, we have a brother and and our older brother is definitely over six feet tall. And so Mm. I look at my space between where I am and the person in front of me and in back of me. Can my brother lay out between us? Mm -hmm. and if that is not true, I move me, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: okay, because I don't want to be in their space, and and I don't want people in my space based only on that fact that I want to be well. I think boundaries in life are the same way. They are the respect, one, that I pay you in allowing you to invite me to the space and the peace of you that you are ready for me to be a part of right now. Mm,
2: mm -hmm.
1: And then the boundaries that I set for myself is saying the same thing. I love you, but there are some things that I need to process myself at this period of time. And I'm not saying that I won't ever invite you in. It's just not right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, the simplest um, example I can give of boundaries and I, they keep us very healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, the Bible talks about that person that plants some plant, some water, God gives the increase. Well, see, we just don't all have the same jobs. And because we don't all have the same jobs, and we don't all have the same understandings. We can't handle everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: can't handle everything.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: when we take it up on ourselves as opposed to allowing God to lead us and we break those boundary spaces, we can tear up more stuff than we can help fix. Yeah. And so it's tough. It's tough. When you talk about families, because we've just been taught that we just supposed to be all over and all into everybody's stuff. And yeah. you know what, well, here, give me this, I'm gonna twist it up for you. I'll make it better. It was better for you, but it wasn't better for me. Um, this is a perfect, this is the last thing I'll say about boundaries. I remember. The year that that um, I got sober and I remember there was a boundary set. It wasn't a healthy one. Um, but the young lady that was helping me and leading me into this recovery journey said, You know what? I need you to come on Christmas because I need you to give of yourself. And I hadn't been home with my family on Christmas for a long time, but I was there that Christmas. I was so excited about it. But that evening I need you to go to a facility and I need you to speak to some people there. Um, and I remember one of my family members meeting me at the door on the way out because I explained what I was gonna do. And they leaned in and they said, Now remember. What goes on here stays here. That's interesting. Hmm. So you don't want me to tell any of your stuff yet. If it's on the other side, you can tell everybody's stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful today that, that I get that. I get that. That's just kind of that thing we do as families. Um but you know what? That's the thing we need to do all the time is let me come to you first and say, hey, Tina, um, mm-hmm. I see something's going on with you. Do you want to share that with me? You don't want to share that with me. Baby, I love you. OK. Yeah. And then, yeah. hey, Tina, you know what? I'm I'm feeling so much better now. If this will help somebody, go ahead, and share my stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, these boundaries are <laughs> they really are. Um, we could go into literally a whole I know episode. and I'm trying to keep that like this because I know where you are. You can go into a whole episode. I will say this. We learn, we have to learn how to have yes, the boundaries in good spaces. Yes, ma'am. It's a it's a a, a a it's a skill and spec <laughs> factor. And and I will say this, you know, because this is, you know, mental health intersects faith. And I can say this from from our faith tradition. Um, In being Christians, and is that sometimes in the name of trying to do what we say is the the work of God, that we can trample over boundaries. And part of freed up is being able to lift up from those Mm -hmm. traditions that really honestly are not biblical, because when you understand how Jesus operated, he was one who gave choice. He did not force himself. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Mm. You let me in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you
1: I open the door.
0: Yes. Um, and then I'll suck with you. And he was a, he was a, a one of choice.
2: Um,
0: and so we have to choose to honor where someone is. We have to choose to respect if they want to share, if they don't, if they want to be bothered and they don't.
2: Mm-hmm, and it's
0: mm-hmm. a constant learning process because we've learned this, not not just families, but in society in general, that
2: yeah. we
0: feel like we should be able to have what we think we have or know what we want to know. Yeah. So it's a constant work, but it is a work. And that's that life a lifelong journey. It is. And it's a work that that actually frees us, freed yeah. up. That, that boundary work is freeing up work. And so, I mean, again you know, this won't be the last time you're here. We're going to wrap it up today. Thank we you. I done... appreciate
1: it. I have, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Thank you. I learned from you today, but then, you know, I'll learn from you all the time. You're my personal therapist.
0: <laughs> well, kind of, sort of, because you've always <laughs> been mine. We just trade off. That's what we, mm-hmm. we trade off. And so that is good. God yeah. Is
2: good.
0: I really said, you know, this, this has been so good. And I, I, I continue to learn because, you know, recovery in this re-entry space is not, necessarily Uh in my direct wheelhouse. And so um, every time I get to talk with you about it, I learn a little bit more that helps me. And I'm sure at some point there'll be a a connection that I have where I'll really need to plant that down. But um, I thank you for coming on and we will see you on the next round. Y'all listen love you back thank you for being on G. <laughs> and so to the Preda family we're going to put the information that gina shared mm-hmm. we'll put that in the um episode description for real for real for real when gina shared her email address she meant that you could contact mm-hmm. her and so um definitely reach out if you have any questions. Of course, if you um, need prayer walking through this process or you want to understand a little bit more about how to support someone, you can reach out to us um, at connect at freefieldfavor.com as well. And we're here for you. All right, we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Free Up. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, I hope this episode helped you understand more about the challenges that families experience as a loved one is going through recovery. There will be information about resources in the podcast episode description. We'll also have Gina's email in that description as well. And remember, you do not walk this path alone. I am walking right alongside you, along with the rest of the freed up friends and family. Most importantly, God loves you, I love you, and make sure you take care of you.